0: Welcome to Combos from the Couch by Lifestance Health, where each episode covers the many facets of mental health and well-being. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Combos from the Couch by Lifestance Health. I'm Nicolette Leanza, And on this episode, I'll be talking with Summer Khan, a clinician for one of our LifeStance Columbus, Ohio offices. And we'll be talking about mental health and the Muslim community. So welcome, Summer. Great to have you on. Thank you. Happy to be here. Now, I found this on the American Psychiatric Association website that Muslims are often less likely to access needed mental health resources. So I think that's so key that we're having that conversation today, Summer, as we talk about the important cultural values within the community, as well as some of the barriers that may get in the way of receiving treatment within the community as well. So thank you again for being on and having this conversation with me. Thank you. So let us begin by having you tell us a little bit about yourself. So I guess
1: the first thing is I'm a Muslim woman. I was born in the United States, and I'm but I'm the daughter of immigrants who came from South Asia. And for people who don't know where that is on the map, because I struggle with maps too. My parents are from India and Pakistan and they immigrated to the United States in the 80s and then they proceeded to live here. And then they had my sister and I'm a mom of two myself and I'm married. And I'm a licensed social worker at the Hilliard, Ohio office Light Lifestands.
0: And we're glad to have you on as a clinician with us. You were just most recently an intern, if I can put that out there. So great to have you on as a clinician with Lifestands too. Thank you. So tell us what are some of the important cultural values within the Muslim community? All in all Muslims,
1: obviously they come from a vast majority of cultures. With Indonesia having the largest Muslim community, which sometimes takes people by surprise because a lot of times when we think about Islam, a lot of people think automatically to the Middle East. So even for Muslims, sometimes it's surprising to be like, hey, Indonesia's got the biggest Muslim uh, population in the world. So obviously, I can't talk about the overall culture because we come from all different parts of the world. But all in all, just talking about Muslims in general, we are very close to our families. We, we, Islam, our faith is a way of life for us. So it tells us how to, how we eat, bathe, how we raise our kids. So again, both uh, the faith is really important to us and our families are very important. And the familiar, familial hierarchy is very important to us as well. So a lot of respect for the elders, which we see in a lot of cultures in general, and that's very, the South Asian culture as well. So that is definitely something that is really important to us. And then it's a religious that encourages community through collective worship as well. So we are supposed to check in on our elders, on our, ne- on our neighbors, and those who might be sick in our
0: communities.
1: So in general, just doing a lot of collective worship and just check the very community based.
0: Great. So how does the community view mental health? So there's definitely a stigma associated with mental health.
1: The most common thing is people really don't talk about their mental health. It's not just something that's considered common. And when we think about mental health, it's mostly like severe mental illness. Nobody talks about the day to day, like what's, oh, how's your depression? How's that going? How's your anxiety? What's going on in your life? And this brings me back to like a conversation that I had with my grandmother who experienced several, what I would say traumatic experiences, like she's lived through war and like a partition of India and Pakistan. So she was born uh, um, in India and then went through partition. And then again, through partition again, when um, India became Pakistan and then broke down into Bangladesh. So she's actually experienced several of the things. Wow. I remember having conversation with her. So she's 99 years old, wow. um, young as she would call it. But I remember asking her, I'm like, how did, how did you take that? What about how did it impact your mental health? Just what are you talking about? And I couldn't explain wow. to her what it meant, like, how did this impact you? Because it's just, they're so not used to. Just kind thinking of, that way think that she was even impacted it, by it. Kind of, oh, something happened and I just have to get through it. And I know that it's had impacts on how she raised her children and how it impacted mm-hmm. her children. She had children at that time, like my own mother being separated from her mom due to the war and stuff like that. So it's had impacts, but nobody really knew to speak about that or that was a thing that needs to be spoken about. So this is still true nowadays, too, with more awareness about mental health, but people don't talk about it unless it's something like it's getting in the way of your day-to-day living or it's to the point where somebody needs to be hospitalized due like to a crisis situation. But again, not having a lot of knowledge about that or knowing that it's okay to talk about
0: these things. Got you. So it definitely sounds like this stigma within the community regarding mental health and then, so when we look at, what are some of the barriers to receiving treatment within the community, stigma is definitely one of the things. What are some other things? Apart from like
1: lack of awareness and uh, stigma. There's a lot of, a lot of people don't understand what therapy is. Ah, good point. That's so they have this image of people being forcefully medicated, institutionalized. And oh. so no one seeks help unless there's something severe going on. And that's becoming unimaginable manageable at home. The same as there's also as, as much as faith is a protective factor for us, that kind of gets in the way of if you are now having to go externally to seek help, it's, oh, but you should be able to rely on God. So does that mean you have weak faith? So there's a lot of that we also see in the community that kind of happens. It's, oh, ask God for everything. That's what we who we usually turn to. Okay, say that prayer or do this extra thing. You need to go externally for that help. And if you do, there must be something wrong with you or you're not, so again, not getting a lot of encouragement in some of those spaces, again, with the lack of awareness. Apart from that, in our culture, we are not taught to share what they call your dirty laundry. There's that, okay, if you finally see a therapist, then you feel this level of guilt about talking about your parents or your community or talking negatively about these people in your life. So even I have friends that who have, as adults now, they go to see a therapist, they're encouraged not to tell people that they're in therapy because, oh, well, we can't tell people or it's like there's that automatic assumption, like there's something wrong with you. If Sounds like the- a
0: lot of shame is carried with it, huh? Yeah.
1: That, and that shame of going to therapy and then that guilt of sharing when you're in therapy. So it's, oh, we don't talk about our parents. We don't talk about our community in that negative way.
0: I'm, I'm curious yourself identifying as a Muslim therapist. I would think that if there was someone of the Muslim faith looking for therapy by chance that you would be someone they would be interested in seeing as their therapist. Is that I would think that would be a common theme of, of Muslims looking for other Muslim therapists if they were going to seek out therapy? It's that is definitely it. a very common theme that we see. A lot of I I keep hearing
1: that all the time. It's okay. We're looking for a Muslim therapist because a lot of people who finally decide to go to therapy, they're like, I don't want to open up when people don't even understand our culture or beliefs and that fear of being judged negatively because that lack of understanding maybe necessarily necessarily that lack of cultural competence. So I'm definitely hearing that a lot. Um, And there aren't a lot of, unfortunately there aren't a lot of Muslim therapists. It's just, Again, with the lack of awareness and not really knowing, it's not a lot of people gravitating towards the field. So that has become a little bit of a problem where I know for me, like I'm like, okay, I have limited spots. I won't be able to take care of the whole Muslim community. But there are a lot of people who are like, oh, you're a Muslim therapist, where are you located? And I would like to be able to work with you. I've got a mom, my mom, she might feel more open to talk to you knowing that you're Muslim and you have that understanding. And I've seen that in my own practice now, like being able to work, have a few of clients, the rapport is built so much faster where I have people who are like, we've never been to therapy before. I don't open up about my feelings in the first session. It's just been them wanting to share so much more because they're feeling like they've never been able to share that with anybody before.
0: Mm-hmm. Love that. That's great. That's great. It's important too. Yeah. So what do you think are the ongoing effects of traumatic experiences on the communities, such as stereotypes, xenophobia, even generational trauma? What do you think those are effects are? There's definitely ongoing effects.
1: So firstly, for people who move to the United States, such as immigrants or refugees, they may further be introduced to more ongoing trauma when they move into the country. Let's be honest, the political situation isn't always the most conducive to making people feel welcome. When they move into the country at first. Other than that, just feeling othered, even if you're born in the United States, if you look different,
0: yeah, that I I can sometimes
1: lead to still feeling othered. I've been it's like I was shopping with my family at Macy's, and I had this really polite old woman come and welcome me to the country,
0: and so she thought she was being so kind and considerate, and you're like, <laughs> and I didn't Gosh. want to say anything negative to her because I want to be polite too, and I understand okay. coming
1: from. But at the same time, this is a burden I'm having to carry that that I was already born here. And just because I dress a certain way or I might look different or or have an accent when I speak, I'm automatically assumed to be not from here. And then comments were, enduring comments, where people might be like, go back to where you came from. I'm like, where? (laughs) Ohio. Ohio? Exactly. It's a little bit of of that whole situation where it's it's just not feeling comfortable in, in spaces, even... When you are born in the country, speak the language. And then obviously, as brother, it's harder when you're not born in the country. And then you are having to adapt to a whole new culture or language. And there are all those other barriers that come with that.
0: Oh, my gosh, for sure. Any other takeaways you'd like to share?
1: I think what happens is just remember we are in this field for a reason. We are... So we were talking about takeaways that I would like to share. I just wanted to talk about sometimes we let our differences divide us or anxiety leads to amplifying what those differences might be. All in all, the Muslim faith isn't that different than any other monotheistic religions out there. We Muslims also believe in Jesus. We believe in the virgin birth, Jesus' virgin birth. We also believe in marrying, again, very common with a lot of monotheistic religions. And ultimately, we have the same fears. We want to raise, hopes and fears and hopes. We want to raise productive citizens. We want to be caring for citizens out in the world ourselves. So sometimes, again, like we amplify what those differences are. At the end of the day, your Muslim neighbor or your Muslim therapist is trying to do the same, just go about their day. We're and- all on our own journeys, right? Yeah. To live our best lives. Definitely. Sure. That, that's what I wanted to bring. Because, yeah, sometimes we don't know what's going on. And we are in a field where we care and we have that level of compassion. So continue to just be compassionate. Try to have communication, open communication goes a long way. Understand your Muslim client. Understand that they have a lot of the same barriers that other people from other faiths or in general from majority faiths might have. And it's not that different sometimes.
0: Oh, exactly. Exactly. Thank you, Summer. Appreciate you sharing your wisdom and insights in your community and, and just about the world and how sometimes we navigate things where it's, it's, it's like when you're mentioning how maybe people say some insensitive comments to you, what we call those microaggressions. How you seem to take them in shy, though you shouldn't, because again, that's so reflective of sometimes culturally in the U.S., how that insensitivity can come across. But I do appreciate you just sharing your thoughts and your wisdom about the Muslim community. Thank you. I
1: appreciate it. And I'll be honest, sometimes it can get exhausting. I'm as sure. A person. But all in all, we try our best. And again, open communication is the way to go. Definitely. Thank
0: you again, Summer. Thank you so much. I would also like to thank the team behind the podcast, Jason Clayton, Juliana Woodin, and Chris Kelman, with a special thanks to Jason Clayton for editing our episodes. Take care, everyone.